Welcome to the Level Up Podcast, brought to you by Century 21, the Harrelson Group, featuring masterminds with real estate leaders, coaches, and influencers, plus eye-opening strategy sessions with up-and-coming agents. You'll learn exactly how to go from agent to entrepreneur. And now, let's get to the latest episode of Level Up. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Level Up podcast, where you learn how to go from agent to entrepreneur. We have a phenomenal guest here with us today, multi-business owner, investor, residential uh, team leader, and a ton, guy with a ton of experience in all different facets of real estate. Mark Loeffler is here. We've got Greg Harrelson back with us again. Greg, first of all, how's it going with you? Oh, doing fantastic, man. Just can't wait to learn from Mark today. I know we're gonna have a good talk about uh, good buying discussion. some apartment buildings, <laughs> among among other things. Absolutely, <laughs> Mark. So first of all, welcome officially. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. So so catch us up a little bit. You've got a really unique, interesting background. At one point, you were leading a team of you know eight and probably some admin and some other miscellaneous people and stuff like that. Um, but you've been an investor first. So catch us up a little bit. Just give us the broad strokes on kind of how you got to be both an investor and uh, on uh, have running a team on the residential side. Yeah, so I was an investor first. I've been investing since my early 20s. Uh, basically, I was buying uh, duplexes, renovating them, uh, renting them out, refinancing them. So that's how I started. And then I got into some different things while I was doing rent-to-owns. And I owned a rent-to-own company and then sold that. And then I actually wrote a book on rent-to-owns. And once I finished writing that book, I was a little bit bored, so I uh, went and got my real estate license. And then did that, took two and a half months here in Ontario, which is pretty quick. Most you know, places in the States you can get it in a weekend. Here it takes a little longer. Um, and then, yeah, first year out, I went out and sold 54 homes on my own with an assistant. Second year with like 70, and then I figured out oh, I got to start building a team. Mm-hmm. So circa what, what year is this? Uh, I started uh, real estate in 2009. Okay, gotcha. So you're, you're steeped in, I think you got into Keller Williams. So I'm assuming you were steeped in in just the culture and probably read the Millionaire Real Estate Agent book. And you're looking at the model going, okay, well, this is clearly, this is the next step in the evolution. Yeah, so I, I started without, I started another brokerage. And then that's basically when I was doing 70 deals a year. And, you know, a lot, most of them were buyers because I was working with a lot of investors. Mm-hmm. They on the residential side still, and it was, it was just too much work. And so I went to my broker of record on mine and said, "Well, I need a buyer's agent. How do I get one?" And he goes, "Oh, go to new agent training and pick one." I basically asked, "Oh, what are they puppies? I don't understand." <laughs> I go, "What if they don't work out? I don't know how to train them. I don't know." And he's like. Oh, and then just go pick another one. Don't worry about it. <laughs> That's exactly what it's like. He told you to go to a puppy farm and pick out a puppy. That's hilarious. Okay. That's how you get, wow. that's how you get a buy. I tell you, I love you, Mark. I, I can like, tell oh, Mark. You got to go to Recruit screw. Select. You got to go to Mega Camp. You got to go do all this stuff. And I'm like, okay. Went to Bull, did all that stuff. Okay. That's hilarious. Okay, so you so you pick out your first puppy. Uh, so you start building what eventually ends up being this team of eight people, and now now you've radically downsized, so you can chase some other opportunities. That's kind of what we want to talk about. So so you end up with this team that has a lot of people on it, which most people from the outside are probably looking at your top line and the numbers and the volume and going, life is good for Mark. You're on the back end going, this is not for me. So how did, how did that, what did that look like? And what, when did it finally dawn on you that it just wasn't the team that you wanted? 
I mean, yeah, I mean, we were making good money. We, were, we had good sales. We actually had a really good profit margin for, for our team because, I mean, we were still pretty lean. Our, I mean, our, our margins were close to 30%. Wow. I'm, I've looked at a lot of top teams, and they're not there. And that's with me not in production. Like, I didn't sell anything. Right. Yeah. I just knew I wasn't the manager. Mm. I, I'm not a counselor. I didn't want to counsel people on their marital pro- problems. I'm, you know, you're making $250,000 a year. There's people you can go pay for that. And people didn't like hearing that. <laughs> and I just didn't, uh, I didn't have patience for, for, for that stuff. So, I mean, basically, yeah, I fired everybody. And uh, I kept one guy, basically a referral, referral relationship. And, uh, you know, now instead of close to half a million, I make 150. Maybe next year I'll make two from it. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. And we'll get into the mindset and just have the owning multiple businesses and some of the other stuff that this is freed up to do. But Greg, we want to talk a little bit about kind of just how do you know when you have the wrong people, right? The right, just the wrong, the wrong people on the right, you know, maybe the right seats on the bus, maybe the business model is good. Maybe the structure is good. Maybe it all looks good on paper, but it just, it's not the right people that you want in your life. You end up surrounding yourself with the wrong people. So how do you, um, how do you approach that? What do you, what do you do when, what, what's the decision-making process on what the next step is? Well, I mean, how do you know? It's if you wake up in the morning and, uh, and you just don't want to go to work. Mm. If you yeah. just don't want to go, there's something wrong there, especially if you own the place. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and, and Matt, you know, I think this is one of the things that that's very important for the audience to really like slow down and listen to this conversation because I said this a few minutes before we went live, you know, that Mark is like, he's, he's very honest in his communication uh, and sharing with us. And it seems like Mark at some point, whether it was you woke up and said, you know what, I don't want to go to work today. I don't feel like going in. Um, that wasn't probably because you were lazy. It, it had to be probably something you weren't motivated or inspired to do those things. But I think there's a lot of people that like thought that team was the way to go. You got to build a team. And some people probably started building teams, not because they thought they were great managers or great leaders. It's because they saw somebody else do it. It was successful. So they said, that's the way to success. But I bet you there's a bunch of people that are waking up today and saying, gosh, you know what? I don't really feel inspired to do this. But what are some of the things that uh, somebody that's, running a team should be asking themselves. And I, I'm pro-team, and I, I hope all teams are successful, but we know that a level, lot of them are not, and some people would like to get the heck out of this team situation, but don't know how. Can you talk a little bit more about how you came to this revolution and then the actions that you took? Sure. So number one thing is, if you read the Red Book, why does Gary want you to, to build a team? What's his motivation? What, why does he say go out and build a team? I would think it'd be a little bit more about leverage. 100%. It's leverage, right? It's so you can go lead the life you want, making the money you, you, you need to live the life you want. And because Gary was in real estate, he's chosen this as a vehicle. And the other thing he says in the Red Book is either you build a team or you become a great investor. And I was always, I think I'm a pretty good investor. So therefore, I have enough net worth and income outside of real estate that I didn't need the team. Hmm. So 
And it just gives me a lot more freedom and leverage to do whatever I want when I want. Yeah. So it's a, it's a it's still, you know, still return on time, still leverage, just different form, which makes yep. sense. Yeah, because, yeah, if you don't need the cash flow from the team to allow you to get into other things like investment, because for most agents, that like that's the way up, right? Yeah. Successful solo salesperson, team leader, then that gives you the cash flow to get into other and gives you the cash flow and the time to learn to get into other things like investing and stuff like that. So you can start to keep an eye open for other opportunities. You came to it from the investment side first. So you already had that, right? Yeah, yeah. I, already had, I already had that knowledge and I already had that that instinct. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. cash flow. Interesting. And, yeah, and, and, so, and, and, and revenue and again, coming in. I looked in. at it like an investor and said, okay, how much time am I putting into this? What am I getting out of it? Mm -hmm. Can I go replace that monetary figure doing something else with the same time? Yeah. And the short answer was, yeah, 100 times over. So there's the question, yeah. Matt is look at what you're currently doing, ask yourself, what am I putting in? What am I getting out? What does that return look like, whether it be return on investment, dollars in, or and or return on time, energy in, and then looking at yourself and saying, where else could I invest that money and time, and what could my return be? It sounds like he realized that though it was a good return, there were better returns out there for him. I mean, that's what it sounds like to me, Mark. Yeah, 100%. I mean, and, and I mean, I was a MAPS coach for two years. Um, so I got to see a lot of people di different businesses and got to go through some inner workings and numbers with that type of stuff, some of the top team. And no offense, I know you guys talked a lot to real estate professionals. Real estate is great. You can get in there and make, good money quickly without a lot of um a lot of investment it's going to take some time it's going to take some effort yeah you don't need to spend a lot of money to get like you can go from a fifty thousand dollar a year job to making half a million dollars in real estate if you're smart and know what you're doing and talk to enough people pretty simply i think maybe okay. 250 say what whatever Yet, when you look at businesses on a grand scale, to take that real estate business and to make it into something that's worth owning, it makes it a lot more difficult. It's why people don't, it's hard to sell a team. Yep. Because what are, you, like, what are you getting? Are you getting like one times your value? Maybe. Over time, you're getting that? That's why it's almost not worth it. Yeah, so it sounds like it, what's interesting is, Mark, you've got, you've got the perspective of an investor. And so you're comparing yeah. investing your time as a team leader to, okay, what, look, this is, this is taking away from the time that I could be putting into building a hard asset, right? Yeah. That, that pays me a return. And so you're approaching it. You know, most people, I, I think, Greg, we've talked about this before. You've hammered at it. And so anybody that listens to the show should know better. But we tend to discount our time as free. Yeah. Right. And Greg, you don't do that. And you yell at people not to do that. And so I think there's there's less of it going around. But I think that is the natural default in real estate is, hey, if I can do this for free, it's if I can do it with my time, it's therefore free. We don't think about opportunity cost at all. We definitely don't think of it in terms of, hey, if I wasn't doing this, if I wasn't building and running this team and spending all my time herding cats or chasing puppies, 
then I could be putting it in over into this other business over here. I think that's one of the elements of just going from an agent to an entrepreneur is looking at where you spend your time and your time is not free if there's opportunity cost. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, the, I think one of the biggest differences between an agent and an entrepreneur is an agent still tracking ROI and an entrepreneur is tracking ROT return on time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I Mark, think I'm the, curious. Yeah, go, go ahead, Greg. please. Oh, I, I was going to, I want a follow up question Mark, for you on, on the skills. So you came into this from the investing side. What do you feel like is the key part of your skill set that makes you good at investing, like f identifying and finding, you know, an apartment building is just a physical manifestation of an asset stream, right? So yeah. what makes you good at finding that type of an asset stream? Um, I, I want to see if it ties into, you know, kind of the success of your team. But when you look at yourself and your own skill set and you take an inventory, what do you feel like contributes to you being good at investing? I'm a good problem solver. I, I, I like to find things that are a problem and solve them. Okay. Um, what I mean, types so of problems? In, in Ontario, we have rent control. Uh -huh. So people can't raise the rent more than, say, 1% or 2% a year on units that are occupied. When they mm -hmm. become unoccupied, you can get any rent you want. So, for instance, like I'll buy a, a building and market rents are $1,400, and there's people paying $600, $700 a month in rent in there. Mm -hmm. So I may overpay for that building in today's dollars based on the rent, yet I know I can get, a, you know, most cases I look for a 40 to 60% lift in rent on re-rental. Mm -hmm. Some I'm getting 100, 150%. Mm -hmm. And then when you're talking in a cap rate world, at a 5% cap rate, that's 20 times your value. Okay. So if I'm getting an extra $500 a month, $6,000 a year, 20 times the value. That's $120,000 a year in value. Okay. okay. Hmm. Yeah, and what, what I gather out of that is like really taking a lot of satisfaction out of solving those types of problems. Greg is very different from the satisfaction of building a team and getting a lot of satisfaction out of coaching others and helping them solve the personal problems that hold them back from business success. Those are two wildly different things. Yeah, I can coach somebody to business success. I don't want to hear about their whining. It's, it's okay. <laughs> you, you have a problem. Go sell another house and go pay a psychiatrist. That's fine. I can, I'll teach you to sell another house, but go pay a psychiatrist for that. Yeah. Yeah, Mark, you want to, you want to solve business problems, not personal problems. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and with that being said, a lot of the uh, team building, company building you know i build more companies now than i'm building teams and um but a lot of it has to do with, I, with at least my in my opinion a lot of the successful people out there spend a lot of time helping people coaching people through their personal problems you know and i said this uh, to somebody uh, one time and not too long ago within the last month you know i said anybody can coach scripts anybody can coach, you know, how to work an expired or a FISBO or a cold call or centers of influence. The blueprints already exist. Why is it that there's some people that are successful with it and some people that are not? And typically the ones that are, are the, that are on a team that are doing well, somebody is actually helping them on the personal side. Somebody's actually, instead of focusing on the script, and why? And um, the person says, "I don't want to. I don't want to use a script." 
No, but there's very few people that don't, that actually have a problem with using scripts. What they really have a problem with is who they feel they are, who they see themselves as when they're using a script. It's not the script. It's right. that they feel like they're a telemarketer and their dad, when they were a kid, told them that telemarketers were terrible people. So it's not that they didn't want to use a script. It's they don't want to be that telemarketer that that dad, that their dad said was a bad person because then if they use a script, then they're a bad person. That's the key. But that's, again, that's all working on personal development. And there's a lot of whining that goes along those conversations. So I could see why Mark would want to just avoid all that. <laughs> all right. So, uh, so let's talk about the, the mindset a little bit. So you're running this team. Were you still continuing to invest on the side? And how did you, how did you split your time between those two things? Yeah. I mean, I, I've always invested. Um, I've never stopped investing. So how did I split my time? Um, here's the thing, investing doesn't, like investing in real estate does not take me a lot of time. Like if I can identify a building, I have a team in place that manages it, does all my con construction. Um, so like to, it'll take me what four or five hours to buy a building. That's with all the financing, that's going to the lawyer, that's doing everything. So it really doesn't take me that long to buy the building and put my, my structure in place now because I've done it. Uh, so many times. So basically, I looked at that. Yeah, I mean, I was spending most of my time with the team, so the returns. Yeah. So, like for instance, two two and a half years ago, I bought a uh, building for two point three million. Uh, we just got a reappraise at three point one million. So they're going to give us seventy five percent of that. So we're going to pull out almost all of our money from that building in two years. Goodness. So we've we've almost got a one million dollar increase in appraised value and i know i could sell it for more than appraised value oh could you really wow that's awesome oh, yeah. goodness okay um <clears throat> man, that's really interesting okay so i want to talk about the skill set a little bit because in, in terms of like identifying opportunities I, I know it's kind of a low like low inventory market for you right now but um the process of you identifying and going after investment opportunities is very similar to what a new agent does when they're searching for deals, you're prospecting for relationships, right? So what is that? I know you said it doesn't take you very long, but what is your week or what does your day look like when you're reaching out to people? Yeah, so I, mean, I put my headset on and I, I, I cold call. Mm -hmm. I, use, uh, I use the dialing system, Mojo, mm -hmm. and I'll put the numbers in there and I'll just hammer them out. Yeah. And, it's and what's, just, what's the goal? And have, of what, and I, what's the goal of that conversation, by the way? Especially the initial contact with somebody cold. Are you well connected enough to where it, the goal is to find like a mutual friend slash relationship, or you just go straight to the point and go, "Hey, I'm looking to buy in your building." Yeah. Hey, my name is Mark Walther. I'm an investor. I'm looking for myself to buy buildings. Uh, your building caught my eye at this this uh, property number address. You know, have you ever had any interest in selling it? I'm a private buyer and yeah. bring you a cash offer if we like it. Yeah. Pretty good pitch. Yeah, I mean, Greg, we talked about this last time with Noah Ostroff, just how the, the, the cold call skills that you build as an agent, like just transfer into so many other things, even into things that you think wouldn't it wouldn't necessarily apply. But you get down to the root of it, and there's always somebody willing to pick up the phone and call somebody. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, it, it seems like a common thread for those that are, like, ultra successful. They're mm -hmm. willing to pick up the phone and, and call somebody. And I think... I think it has a lot to do with that person 
uh, really seeing themselves as a professional, seeing themselves as a, having a value that they can offer somebody. So if you see yourself as a professional, you're confident in the dialogue and, and confident in the, the type of transaction that you're discussing, you believe you offer value, then calling somebody is kind of easy. I think it's when you don't know what you're talking about and you don't believe that you have that much value, picking up the phone and calling somebody is not the problem. It's talking to somebody and having the fear that they're going to fish out that you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. So the professionals that really know what they're doing, like Mark here, he, he has no problem picking up the phone, making calls. That's easy. He knows the conversation. Mm -hmm. He's probably going to probably going to educate the person that you're talking to. By the time you get off the phone, you probably are going to teach somebody something, even if they own, they own a building. They probably are are leaving the conversation better off than uh, when they started. Could be. I mean, I've taught hundreds of people to, to get on the phone and, and make the calls. And the biggest way to learn how to do it is just get on and do it. You're just going to make mistakes. And it's only our own ego that thinks that when we hang up the phone that that person's actually going to care or know or remember who I am. Oh, yeah. Good point. I like it. Well, Mark, how do we uh, how do we connect with you, especially if somebody has uh, an investment deal or, or connections to an investor in your area? Let us know kind of where you operate, where you like to buy, and how to connect with you. Yeah, so I'm in the Hamilton, Ontario region. I like to buy in Hamilton or uh, Brantford or St. Catharines, Niagara region. Um, yeah, you can just hit, hit me up on Facebook. Uh, send me a message on Facebook is typically the easiest or uh, mark at marklawflerteam.com is my email. It's the best way to do it. Perfect. Love it. And Greg, same question for you. Uh, you know, as I say every time, just hit me up on Facebook Messenger. It seems to be the most uh, convenient thing for me. I respond uh, much faster to you if you do that. So hit me up there. Find me on Facebook. All right. And then for the show, make sure to go to, you can either go straight to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever uh, device you're listening or app uh, that you use to listen to podcasts. You can go there, grab the show, subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And if there's a particular episode that you enjoyed, like Mark's, make sure to give Mark a public shout out in your rating. Uh, just thank him for his time and his contribution. Uh, you can also go to YouTube and grab the video versions of the episodes there if you prefer to throw us up on the uh, on the screen and watch. So Mark, the awesome, uh, you know, love digging into your mindset and, and just the skills that have made Made you kind of who you are and, and giving you the ability to own you know multiple businesses write multiple books uh, all the fun stuff that you've done you've had a really interesting interesting career so i appreciate you kind of pulling back the curtain and sharing my pleasure all right thanks so much everybody that's watching live with us we appreciate it and we'll see you guys on the next one